Hey everybody, welcome back to Powerfully Loved. Today we're going to continue on with our Gifted, Called, and Anointed series and start officially on the manifestations of the Spirit. And we've talked about the three different categories that are the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Those are the manifestations of the Spirit, which we're fixing to get into. And then we have the office gifts or the gifts of Christ found in Ephesians 4, 11, which are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And then lastly, we have the Romans 12 gifts, the gifts of God that are what we're referencing as, quote-unquote, other ministries. So today we're going to be starting with 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to read 7 through 10 just to gain some better context for the manifestations of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom, through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. The gifts of the Spirit clearly come from the person of the Holy Spirit who also reveals Jesus. In John 15 verse 26 and in John 16 Verses 13 through 14, Jesus himself declares that the Holy Spirit will come and testify or declare what, I've de- uh, what I'm declaring to you. He will be my witness. So the purpose of these gifts is, again, to reveal Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come to reveal Christ. That is his main priority. The Holy Spirit's function is to reveal Jesus. And as Jesus is revealed, the Holy Spirit helps create unity among the body of Christ. Look back at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That word profit right there in the Greek means to bear or to bring together. So the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus as Jesus is exalted, as he is um, reverenced, as as he is made to be in awe, as we worship, as we glorify him, even through the gifts of the Spirit, by the gifts of the Spirit, there comes the unity. Jesus himself sort of reiterated that when he said, If I be lifted on high, I will draw all men to myself. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps draw men to Jesus Christ. So as Jesus is revealed through the gifts of the church, through the gifts, the church is brought closer together in such a way that we see the need. And I like to use the word interdependence on one another that we are to have. The Holy Spirit is looking to create such a unity among us as the body of Christ, that there's this interdependence, not that we're dependent upon each other, but that we have equal dependence upon each other. Hopefully that makes sense. And in in other words, it would be like me saying that I can do everything by myself that God has called me to do. We know that's not possible because every single gift and every single purpose, every single um, calling has to do with ministering and serving somebody else. If you don't have somebody to serve, then your gift is useless. And it's just inwardly drawn, it's inwardly focused. There's no purpose to it. So there becomes this interdependence that we have in the body of Christ that in order for me to fully function in my gift or in a gift or in a call, then I have to have a dependency to a degree upon the people of God that he has placed around me as well. 
Look back at verses 7, uh, verse 11, and verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 12, and you can see that God is revealing that He does, in fact, intend for all members of His body to be used in one of these manifestations. He does not, when in 1 Corinthians 12, He is not emphasizing one group of leadership, one group of people, one type of Christian or anything like that. He is referencing the body of Christ as a whole is to function in these manifestations. There are no, there is no one called by God that has been saved, that has been set free, that has been uh, given the Spirit of God so that you may live a holy life who is not supposed to function in one of these gifts right here. Amen. You are able. You are able because it's not you doing it. It's the Holy Spirit working through you. Amen. Look at that individually as he wills. Individually as he wills. In verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Are you an individual? Are you an individual in the body of Christ? Then you can expect to be used by the Spirit of God to reveal Jesus and bring further unity to the body of Christ. There is no such thing as saying, that's not my calling when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. There is no such thing. That's not my calling. Primarily because when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are not callings. They're simply giftings. Amen? They are giftings to the church for the glory of Jesus Christ. Look at the word manifestation as well. For the manifestations of the Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That word manifestation means the thing made visible or known, to shine forth even. So the manifestations of the Spirit are not invisible character traits. They are meant to be seen. They're meant to be heard. And they're meant to be felt by all. They must be able to manifest Christ in some capacity. They are spiritual matters producing a physical reality. Let me say that again. They are spiritual they are spiritual things trying to make a physical reality. They are spiritual endowments creating a, a physical product, a physical reality. They are showing the nature of the Spirit into the very physical. And everything in the Spirit revolves around Christ, so therefore it is going to reveal Christ. Amen? A lack of the manifestations of the Spirit in a church will reveal a degree of division. It'll reveal a degree of division that only the Spirit of God can bring to. Only the Spirit of God can bring unity. And so it shows when there are no manifestations of the Spirit, it shows this lack, this um, disunity, this disapproval, if you will, not of God towards the, the people, but of the Spirit of God not being welcome to unify by producing a uh, unity and ex exaltation of Jesus. So the church... Biblically, the church itself biblically cannot unite completely without the manifestations of the Spirit in operation. That's how vital they are. If you look back and you read through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, you will see the Paul putting such an emphasis on the body of Christ unifying by the gifts of the Spirit and by operating in your calling and operating in obedience to the Spirit of God. And he makes it such an intensity, such a reality, that he gives this idea that it is truly impossible. It's truly impossible for us to unify adequately, perfectly, the way that God intended for us to unify in the church without these manifestations happening. 
Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Paul right here envisioned everyone being able to speak in tongues and prophesy. This simply reveals further that there was truly an an expectancy that everyone would be used to manifest the gifts of the Spirit to reveal Jesus to some capacity. Now, there are two additional truths we need to take note of before we actually get into the gifts of the Spirit themselves. Back in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Now, it's important to look at your Bible and notice that in most Bibles, I should say, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, and that word gifts right there is italicized. If you look at your Bible, most likely that word gifts is italicized. The simple reason for this and the simple reason that you'll see throughout your Bible italicized words is because the italicized words are filler words, if you will, from the Greek translation into English. Uh, So originally what the verse would have said is now concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Not spiritual brethren, but spiritual comma brethren, and so on and so on. So it would have initially said now concerning spiritual. So as the word gifts is not in the original Greek, we see that what Paul is actually referencing here is more about spirituality, not just gifts that the filler word implies. He's talking about the spirit realm. He's talking about spirituality itself. The manifestations are, uh, the manifestations of the spirit are expressed from or because of the spirit realm, not just referencing the spiritual gifts. Does that make sense? Do you see that now concerning spiritual brethren? I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. And then he goes on and he talks about the gifts. He talks about the activities. He talks about the different types of ministries by the Lord and so on. And he talks about love. He talks about tongues and prophecy. He talks about all these things. And he's referencing the initial statement there in 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So there are divinely endowed The gifts themselves are divinely endowed by the Spirit of God from the Spirit of man for a spiritual purpose. There are no natural causes for these gifts. There are no natural causes for these gifts. A lot of times what has happened is because we have uh, backed away from the spirituality, from the spiritual nature of all things that are, are God, that are the Spirit, that are Jesus, we have taken the spirituality out of the scriptures, it seems like, in, in some areas, in some circles, in some belief systems, to where now we can look at these nine gifts of the Spirit and we can tie a um, simple talent to them. We can tie a simple um, human nature to them. And they are not human nature gifts. They are Spirit of God gifts. Therefore, their very nature, their very um, characteristic is supernatural. Amen? These are not natural gifts. These are supernatural gifts by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 12-25, you can go back and you can read that to where Paul is talking about such a need for each member. He makes, and we've already talked about this a little bit before, but you can read through 12-25 through and see that Paul puts such an emphasis 
uh, on the body of Christ. And the main thing that he brings up is that no matter what your gift is, no matter what gift you're being used in, it does not matter because every single gift, every single call is important to the body of Christ. If that one member, if that one single member does not think it is worthy, then the entire body experiences and feels the lack that that one little member uh, is is not operating in. Amen? There's such a vitalness to operating in the gift and the call that we have been uh, designed for. The gifts themselves do not exalt one member over another, nor do they create disunity in any way amongst the brethren. True manifestations will always lift the church up as a whole. Let me say that again. True manifestations will always lift the church up as a whole. Spiritual correction itself will not come from the gifts of the Spirit because they do not have the authority to bring correction. And we'll get into that some more as we go and we talk about the actual gifts. And then we talk about the office gifts of Ephesians 4, which we'll see is that with the office gifts of of God, of Christ, in Ephesians 4, there is an anointing for authority on those offices, on those gifts themselves, for the purpose of correction and for the purpose of equipping the body of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit themselves do not carry that same authority. Amen. They do not carry the authority to correct, to rebuke, to uh, do the things that a leader is meant to do. Amen. If some Joe Blow off the street comes and tells you that you're not running your house right or that you're not doing this right or you're not doing that right, most likely you're not going to really heed what they're saying. Why? Because they don't know you. They don't know your life. They don't know this. They don't know that about you. And most of the time, it's not going to be a um, prophetic word that they're declaring to you. It's just going to be an assumption, probably, or something that they may have just felt. And typically, you just don't even need to heed those types of things because it's not coming from a place of unity. It's not coming from a place of knowing. It's not coming from a place of we are acquainted in the body of Christ. It's important to, to heed the voices that you know the voices of. It's important to heed the leaders that God has set over your life. It's important to recognize those voices, but strangers' voices we do not need to heed. Even Jesus himself talked about that my sheep will know my voice. My sheep will know my voice. And he's talking from the place of a shepherd. And for that place of a shepherd goes along with the pastoring, with the um, apostleship, all that type of stuff. And so he's declaring this type of principle, if you will, of what it means to listen to the shepherd, to listen to those that have been placed over you for your care, for your guardianship, for your protection. Amen. We don't just need to listen to anybody that somebody, anything that somebody says on this on the street, no matter how religious it may be, no matter how spiritual it may sound. We just need to be careful of those things and recognize that it's not the gifts of the Spirit that will bring correction, but it is the leadership of God, the leadership of Christ that will bring correction. Amen. So the gifts of the Spirit, again, are not authoritative gifts. They don't have that position. They don't have that anointing. Now, there are nine gifts or nine manifestations of the Spirit listed here in 1 Corinthians 12. The first one that we see is word of wisdom. Second is word of knowledge. Third is faith. Fourth is gifts of healings. Five is working of miracles. Six is prophecy. Seven is discerning of spirits. Eight is kinds of tongues. Nine is different or interpretation 
of tongues. Knowing the type and the way a gift work works helps us desire the best gift. As in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Paul said, but earnestly desire the best gift or the better gift. How can one truly desire the better gift if they don't know what the gifts are nor their function? Does that make sense? In a service, you may see some uh, gifts operating, but if you yourself don't know what the better gift, or I like to call it the chain reaction gift, the gift that flows with that other gift, because every single gift functions from one person, the Holy Spirit, and every single gift can operate with each other. Amen? They can function with each other. They can bring um, a, a revelation in this area. They can bring an action in this area. And they can bring a uh, speaking in this area, which we'll get in that in just a second. But they are all function to work together. And if you don't know their function or you don't know what the quote-unquote better gift is, then you yourself won't know how to operate necessarily or you may be um, hindered because you don't know what that gift is. Amen. So with these nine gifts, we're going to categorize them into three categories simply by their respective actions, sort of what they do, if you will. The first category of gifts we have is the revelation gifts. These gifts are gifts that reveal something supernaturally. These are classified typically as word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The second type category of gifts we we have is power gifts. Power gifts are gifts that do something supernaturally. First, we had gifts that reveal something. This category does something. And these gifts are typically faith, gifts of healings, and working of miracles, power gifts. The third category of gifts we have is the inspiration or utterance gifts. And these gifts say something. So we have gifts that reveal something, gifts that do something, and lastly, gifts that say something supernaturally. These are prophecy, kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Now these categories help us see, if you will, where these manifestations happen. With inspiration or utterance gifts, their power is released by what is spoken more than by what is actually done. The power gifts release power about what they do rather than what is said. And then lastly, the revelation gifts release power by what is revealed rather than what is said or done. In regards to the revelation gifts specifically, we can look at them as a process of operation. In other words, look at it like this. If there's a gift of revelation functioning, it should be followed up with another gift so that the manifestation may bring further unity and change. A revelation gift is not just meant to uh, reveal something to you and you alone, and just for you to know, amen, is to bring unity, is to bring revelation of Christ, worship uh, more worship to Christ and for Christ. Having something revealed to you does nothing for anyone unless it is declared or done. In order for a thought even to be received by another, guess what it has to do? That thought has to be spoken out. It has to be declared. And so the same thing with the revelation gifts is once a revelation gift comes, the gift has operated now what happens is that you get the opportunity to declare what you have uh, been re- what has been revealed to you but you also at the same time allow the body of Christ to move in the next gift in a declaration gift in a speaking gift in an action gift that can follow with the revelation that you've received or the revealing uh, gift that you've received so when a revelation gift comes a speaking gift or a power gift will most likely be next whether it's from yourself or from another person. 
Again, this is so vital to understand is that you yourself are not supposed to function in all the gifts. You may throughout your life, but when it comes to the momentary times to where we're together in Christ and in His presence and in the Spirit of God, that there needs to be a functioning of the body of Christ operating in the gifts as a whole. Not just one person entertaining the rest of the sheep, but it's the sheep that should be functioning together with these gifts as a whole, as a unit, as a people, as the children of God, all together should be functioning in these gifts. Amen? So the manifestations of the Spirit work together to reveal Jesus and unify, right? This happens best when we see the gifts as a collective whole needing to be in operation. So instead of just looking at one gift, we need to see all the gifts working together and seeing, if you will, how they um, connect the dots to reveal Christ. I like to call it, and you've probably already heard me say it, is I like to call this a chain reaction effect in the gifts. When one gift comes, another gift should be expected. So let us not get caught up necessarily in the singular usage of gifts, but we need to get caught up in the whole of the Spirit manifesting Jesus through, guess what, all of us. Amen? So many times we can get so excited that we've been used in one gift and try to be the only one that's used in all the gifts. But our true joy, our true joy when it comes to the manifestations of the Spirit of God should come from seeing the body of Christ operating in the gifts of the Spirit as a whole. Take note also, and we'll end end here today, take note also of the way that the gifts look like the progression of faith. Now with faith, faith operates off of three levels. There's believing, there's speaking, and there's doing. And I shouldn't even use the word levels, honestly, but it's the progression of faith. The, in James 2, James says that um, it's good that you believe, but guess what? Even the demons believe, and they still shudder. They still tremble at the name of God. So believing itself does not produce faith. And then in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul says, I believed and therefore I spoke. Since we have the same spirit of faith and, and according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. So we see that this believing and speaking part is, is the functioning of faith. It is what Paul references as the spirit of faith. It is the operation of our, of our inner man, our resurrected nature, operating in faith, but not just in believing, but in believing and speaking. Amen. And then James goes further back in James 2.17. He says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead is dead. It has no function. It has no purpose. It has no visibility to it. And so faith itself is built upon these three blocks, these three foundations, if you will. There's a believing, but believing by itself is not faith. There's a believing in speaking. Believing in speaking produce the spirit of faith, but they do not actually produce faith. And then we actually see faith in full operation when we have belief that speaks that causes us to act. Amen. And that's a whole other teaching. We'll get into that one other day. But faith itself is produced by believing, speaking, and doing. And we see this with the gifts as well, is that these these gifts right here have a revelation aspect, they have a speaking aspect, and they have an action aspect as well. The gifts themselves will help us to believe. The gifts themselves will help us to speak. And the gifts themselves will help us to act to glorify and to reveal Jesus Christ further for the body of Christ, for the world, for those around us to bring unity 
to the church and to his name. Amen. So I pray that this has helped you today. I pray that this has brought some uh, greater understanding. But most importantly, I pray the same thing that Paul said is that I pray that this has caused an earnest desire for the better gifts. Amen. Now, next week, we'll officially start on talking about each individual of the nine gifts of the Spirit and uh, just sort of talking about their function as well. But again, I, like I said, I pray that this has stirred you up to expect, to expect and desire the better gifts of the Spirit of God. Not for yourself and not for the glorification of yourself, not to exalt you, but to exalt Jesus. And when He is exalted, the church herself will be unified. Amen. In our day and age right now, there's such disunity in the body of Christ, in the church. Um, and I, we, none of us have, of course, lived throughout multiple generations. But it is important to recognize that it seems as though this is one of the most disunified times that the body of Christ has ever been in that we know of. But it, it does seem, it seems very real to us at the moment, of course. And I believe wholeheartedly that one of the main reasons is because we have not put our trust, we have not um, truly sought to reveal Jesus. We have not expected the gifts of the Spirit. We have not expected, if you will, the unity that the uh, gifts of the Spirit bring or the expectancy among the members that we um, that should be looking for. Instead, what we have now in our Western American culture is that we have one person, we have one leader who functions in everything or tries to function in everything. And no single person except for Jesus Christ has ever functioned in all the gifts and in all the callings. Amen. He is the only one that was purposed and destined to do that so that he could disperse the gifts, so that he could disperse the gifts of the Spirit, so that he could disperse the empowerment of God by the Spirit of God. And so we do not need to expect our leaders to uh, do everything for us. I guess that's the best and plainest way to say it. We're not supposed to expect our leaders to function in all the gifts of the Spirit so that we can benefit from it as, as uh, lay people, as pew sitters, as, as whatever you want to look at it as, as back row sitters and all that type of stuff. We don't need to look to them to and expect them to be our all in all. Jesus is our all in all. And guess where he lives? In you and in I. If I'm saved, if I've confessed Him as Lord, if I've died to myself and, and been resurrected with Him in my spirit, He is the one that is our all in all. And it is not the way that God designed for one person to function in the gifts by themselves. He has called you, He has called me to function in these gifts, to operate and to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to manifest Christ as a one-membered body of believers and reveal Jesus to bring us into unity. Amen. So I pray that that's blessed you. I, I pray that God um, just stirs you up. I pray that the Spirit of God stirs you up. And I pray that you yourself would experience another dose of obedience to the calling, to the functioning, and to the functioning of the Holy Spirit and His gifts in Jesus' name. And from all of us here at Powerfully Loved, we bless you. And always remember that God does powerfully love you.